0: Greetings,
1: true believers, believers.
0: and gentlemen and nerds of all ages you are tuned in to views from the back of the class my name is jabari biggums but
1: you can call me jb and i'm here with my mans what's up in words it's josh i had to come in with a better intro than that it's just like hey it's josh
0: i actually like it i mean unless you want to come up with something else but i think it's
1: cool and so much more than just josh you know <laughs> indeed hey, anyway your father to be what
0: <laughs> that's getting cut
1: <laughs>
0: so last week, I know it wasn't exactly a cliffhanger, right, but uh, the conversation kind of steered us toward what is kind of top of mind in this in this nerd culture thing, man, everything going to streaming, and uh we said we were coming back with that and that's exactly what we wanted to do this week. So it's all about the streaming wars and, you know, things are heating up and, and stuff is changing, man. We want to see, you know, how that's going to affect
1: these things that we know and love is all change. Good change. It depends on who's in charge of that change. If it's somebody like DC no. if it's like Marvel, meh, probably
0: it's questionable, right? All of it. Yeah. All of it is questionable. In my opinion, But before we get to that, (laughs) we got to talk about the announcement for the upcoming Flash movie, or I guess the DCEU in general. So uh, Batfleck is out, apparently. So he's going to do the Snyder cut and then he's gone. And in comes Michael Keaton. So it's been announced that Michael Keaton will be. The Batman in the upcoming DCEU, which leads me to ask the question, well, what the heck is going on with this Robert Pattinson film? <laughs> like what mm-hmm.
1: what is happening here? This is called a uh, flinging stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. I think that's yeah, uh, everyone at at the WB and DC, the joint operations there. They're like on, on a Zoom, and you have all these tiles across the things, and people are just like saying crap. And whoever shouts the loudest, I think, is uh, it's what's getting hurt. Not that I'm, you know, the news about Michael Keaton is good. It's kind of natural. It's like coming back to it after kicking, you know, all this off 30, I think 30, it is like 89. It would have been thirty, thirty two 32 years. Yeah, geez. So coming full circle, I think that's pretty cool. As far as the whole Robert Pattinson. Ben Affleck thing, it's a mess, kind of like what we've come to expect from DC, like just disorganization and uh, I don't know, like no one really being in charge. And uh, it's pretty interesting, though, because I was like looking into that the news for that. And it's like, well, I I don't know, because there's conflicting um, stories out there about like Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck and who's doing what with the Flash and it looks like it will be both somehow. I don't know. From something I saw, it it was explaining that they're both going to be in it.
0: Well, that kind of makes sense to me. With a Flash movie, you could do pretty much anything.
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think the Flash movie, if it, this is if this is what it is, and it's just like a vehicle for like the the um, Flashpoint paradox. Hmm to kind of like bridge everything together and and do like a new 52 not retcon what is it relaunch and incorporate things that weren't initially in this dc universe or the main dc universe into it i don't know i think that's probably what they may try to do but i don't know so like that robert pattinson movie is is not even a um like a prequel to the ben affleck batman that's its own universe, even separate from like the Joker universe. So it's, but it's a mess. But that changed. I mean, I'm here for it. That changed.
0: That it wasn't did it? it initially. It was supposed to be part of the mm-hmm. interconnected universe, and then all of a sudden, this new idea comes up and it changes. Like, yo, this is this is insane. They are they are fumbling this pro- these properties at every turn.
1: It is and It isn't. Like I think maybe because like movies are, are you know such a bigger bigger, not a bigger screen, obviously it's a bigger screen it's a movie, but like a bigger vehicle than like comic books, but this really is, it's kind of like they're doing the the what ifs on the big screen which may actually be you you know, hindsight's 2020, so it may actually be either a really, really stupid thing like we think or it could be like a really interesting avenue for them to take because it allows you to tell stories with characters that people like um, and that, you know, of course, make money, but that people love and are drawn to and do things that you'd be, you couldn't do in like the main universe or something like that. Like, you can't, um, you could do it, but, you know, you couldn't kill off, you know, Bruce Wayne and leave him dead or something like that right. in, in the main DC universe, but you could do it in a standalone. So I think it opens up a way uh, different uh, storytelling for them. But do I trust? DC to pull that off. I don't, I don't, but maybe, I don't know, maybe they're working on something. I don't know. Yeah. I ain't buying it.
0: (laughs) I think it's, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. And it's, I agree with the idea of, you know, the, what ifs coming to the screen? I think that's an ingenious idea, but the only reason what ifs work even in the comics was because we had an established order of things that existed. So those were conversations that were coming up, right? What if Spider-Man was the Punisher? That's an interesting take because it's so far beyond what we know about Spider-Man. But that's because there was an established history there. DC's not giving us that. Like it's all changed. We don't. We haven't seen these people or these characters long enough to care about changes or to even recognize these changes are being made it's just yo another Batman another Superman you got Gal Gadot playing Wonder Woman in what is apparently two different universes it's all unnecessarily complicated and it's and it's Mm -hmm. not because of you know DC are, are taking all of these risks that aren't paying off it's not that at all they're just being so reactionary to everything and they don't seem to have a plan and the turnover there is has been pretty consistent wasn't it Walter Hamada has been kind of at the helm for a while now but there's not been one there's no Kevin Feige I hate again to always make that comparison but you need to have someone and it doesn't have to be you know him specifically you just needed to have a influence that's kind of there to make sure that it all ties together if that's what you want to do if you don't want to have an established universe you don't have to do that you can have a bunch of standalone movies and that would be that would be fine but don't give us you know this half-baked idea like you either give me sushi or you're gonna give me a burger don't give me something in between because that's gonna make me sick you
1: know so you're not down with the sushi burritos
0: um I
1: had a sushi burrito one time, and it was a little, uh, it was a little too much for me. Yeah. Um, that would be too much for me. But now no, I get what you're saying. Well, like, DC, they don't have a Bible. It sounds like they don't have a Bible for right. their characters or right. their plans for the movies. And, I mean, it all goes back to um, Man of Steel, the springboard off that, how successful it was. Mm-hmm. And how, well, of course, that came in on the backs of uh, the Nolan Batman trilogy. And... You know DC kind of saying looking in and seeing what Marvel had done and trying to emulate that right for the fans and air quotes I mean for us too but also too because it's a it's crap they're making Marvel's making money yeah and there are so many ways to make a bigger universe with um, Man of Steel even though even though Man of Steel wasn't the original intention there's still I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about, like, the topics in in this news um, with Michael Heaton and the Batmans and the DC universes and all this other stuff. And And, um, was Man of Steel, like, a vehicle where you could have actually springboard, you know, this big universe off of it? And you're like, yeah, you kind of can. I mean, you already have Superman and the Kryptonians. And, I mean, it kind of talks about, like, we were talking about, like, in the last episode with, like, these world-altering events. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, well... You need more than like one hero to address something like this. Right. With Superman, you can kind of skate by with that and you can say uh, the other heroes on Earth were preoccupied doing other things like they showed in Batman uh, v Superman. You know, Wayne was in Gotham. I did not like they made them sister cities. That was so stupid to me. Yeah, that was weird. That was so dumb. Anyway, showing him being in in Gotham City and being tied down and trying to do what he can while he was there. You know they could do flashbacks to other things like flash saving people in uh in central city or whatever or diana and stuff they could do flashbacks or they can just not address it and i think it would still work so it's like they did a zero to 100 really quick and just gave us uh, justice league without any build up any correct you know backstory or anything like that correct i mean they could even gone back and done like different post-credit scenes for Man of Steel to kind of elude,
0: That just threw it all together, and that that's kind of what they're doing currently. Somebody had this great idea, even though they were already going in, in whatever direction they were going in, and somebody says, hey, we should do this, or hey, we can get Michael Keaton. And you don't say no if you can get Michael Keaton, so let's get him and then figure out the rest later. Yeah. There is a lack of vision, and it is apparent. I mean, far be it for me to tell, you know, Warner Brothers how to run a business. They are multi-billion-dollar entity. Well, I guess AT and T is you know multi-billion-dollar entity. I'm a dude with a couple bucks and and stick of gum. So what do I know?
1: <laughs> I think the frustrating things like with companies like this, and not just with like media. Or you know, comics or movies or stuff, but just generally, like, even like big companies when they have, um, you know, resources to devote to projects, and they don't, and they kind of like, like you said, slap it together instead of really taking the time to do it right. Like, hey, that's the frustrating thing. You know, it's not a um, a Lionsgate or I'm trying to think like some of the other smaller film companies out there trying to you know do a superhero movie. It's it's Warner Brothers, right? it's DC. There are thousands of storylines out there for them to do and there are as they've proven with with Joker there are thousands of storylines even though Joker was not that uh, unique of a story but it shows that there are people out there who can be creative with the material but now they just need someone to bring it all together and I don't know why that's so hard for them it shouldn't be
0: there's some power that has to be conceded in order to, to have that. And I think they were starting to do that in the beginning. I think the idea was to have the Snyders be that. And, you know, obviously they experienced tragedy in their family, and that, that changed a lot of things. But I think mm-hmm. between um, Zach and Deborah Snyder and Jeff Johns, um, I think that was kind of the, the three-headed monster that was – set to kind of spearhead what the DCEU was going to be, but they botched it, man. There's no no way around it. And I, I think it was the appeal of uh Civil War at the time that really kind of pushed DC forward in that in the direction that they eventually went in. And it just failed miserably at most turns. Like the reason why civil war worked was because, again, you have estab- an established history with these characters and you recognize what a tragedy it is to have these heroes fighting each other. That That didn't exist in the DC universe. I remember reading that Snyder's idea was to have this be more like the world of injustice, where you get this... You know, rogue Superman and you know, Batman is all grizzled, and he's like, Yo, I, I'm the Punisher now. That's what I do. Again, the only reason injustice works is because of the history. Without Superman being the Boy Scout that we know, mm-hmm. then what you have is Brightburn bright burn or the boys. You know what I mean? This is, this ain't mm-hmm. Superman. I think it just all boils down to a lack of understanding of why superhero films have been making the the money that they that they make
1: or why it's as successful as it is right and when you uh when they're not there you definitely feel that void cuz you know in 2020 we didn't have nothing from marvel right. and nothing from dc right they've cemented a place in in our um lives as as something i don't know does it help mark the time or just um, other than just you know entertainment, but there's there's some impact into us that we have that we go and enjoy, that we're still watching them, and you know I guess not to go back and recreate the wheel or anything like that, but it's like when you look back at um, the time period between Man of Steel and um, what what Marvel was doing, that's a great comparison because you're, you're like yeah, Civil War's going on, and then you have Man of Steel. Civil War is like a, a, we've seen at that point a mini team up, and then it's the solo character. How do you make this work? How do you how do you grow this? And Batman v Superman was announced like right after that. Right, they came out and right around
0: like, the same time. That was that was the reason that it became mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman because of of Civil War. This is my opinion. None of that was you know ever uh, no, officially sure established, but it only made sense to me because how right. do you go from Man of Steel? Superman by himself to the very next time we see Superman he's fighting Batman like that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense but Marvel's doing Civil War and it's, you know Cap versus Iron Man so we got to do the same thing
1: yeah and it's like too if you go back to that time too like when they were announcing Man of Steel and they're like Christopher Nolan's going to uh, be a producer on it but it's not uh, gonna tie into the Batman trilogy that he did or that universe. You right. know, it's kinda it was gonna be a standalone thing. Right. And then it became this bigger thing. It's like, oh yeah, we are bringing Batman in. Not Christian Bale, but another Batman. And, you know, Batman versus Superman, you know, on premise it could have worked. But then again, you like you need a bigger a bigger villain and then you're going like Doomsday. <laughs> Let's bring him in. Right. You gotta you kinda gotta escalate to that or mm-hmm. that's kind of gotta be the villain to begin with. It's got to be done right. I mean, Lex creating a Kryptonian clone and basically creating Doomsday.
0: That should have been a Justice League villain. Mm -hmm. I mean, Superman ultimately is the one that's got to deal with it, right? Because he's the only one with the chops. But when we first met Doomsday in, what, 1994? I think so, yeah. It was a Superman story, but the Justice League was very much involved. Now, they were cannon fodder, Mm -hmm. but they were there. They were there. They were there first, and they were trying to do their thing, and they just couldn't. They were overpowered, and and Superman had to kind of save the day, which makes a good Superman story, right? That's what kind of makes you love that character, because he's able to do things that nobody else can do. Yeah, I mean, in that case, he definitely did but he's 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 like the, the ultimate fail safe. You know, he's he's the thing that protects when nothing else is going to work. Mm-hmm. He he gets to be heroic in that way. And somehow they just didn't fully understand that and you know, they're rushing it at every turn and they and they they're blowing it. Like Doomsday should have yep. been a they could have redone the death of Superman. You just had I mean, to wait. You know, give exactly. 'em give us a man of steel to you know get your other solo movies get a justice league justice league 2 could be the death of superman mhm now it takes you 10 years to get to that and and i'm sure what was happening
1: cuz the wb could have could they could have released movies like two movies a year you know 6 months apart that's not gonna people aren't going to avoid theaters or, go, or avoid going to see that because they're like oh wait another another superhero movie ah no i mean just just plan it out do it like a 16 or 18-month plan to release them every six months and then all of a sudden you've gotten three movies done and then you can have your big team up within two years.
0: I think that's exactly what the problem was though, was the fear of the movies failing. Because they're very expensive to make and mm-hmm. it is a huge risk and, you know, we've been hearing about the, the superhero fatigue and the bubble is going to pop at any point. So that's what it felt like to me was Warner Brothers was saying we got to get in before the bubble pops. Not realizing that, yo, if you just make a good movie that will prolong the very thing that you're trying to avoid. Like you get to push that off by having a quality product and they just seem to refuse to or just not know how to give a fan base what they're looking for. Right. And they keep trying to appease like the Michael Keaton thing that's dope, okay, so immediately the brain goes to, all right, Batman Beyond. that makes mm. sense. Old Grizzle Batman, you know his body's all broken up, but he's still got a sharp mind, and now he's going to have this protege in this new world that you know Batman Beyond has to navigate, and people love Batman Beyond. The rumor mm. is though, that
1: the field Batman is going to be Barbara Gordon. I don't hate that. I I'll say this really quick. If it is Barbara Gordon, it's going to have to address the whole Oracle situation and her the Killing Joke and what happened and her um her being paralyzed. I think that bypass that bypasses that and yes, which I'm okay with because I think it would be interesting to see you know an older Barbara Gordon fighting crime.
0: Here's why. I I mean I'm I'm not against risk taking and you know changing things up for the sake of having a creative story I'm down for that but it feels to me that putting Barbara Gordon in that role is a way to appease a fan base but not doing again not not understanding what people actually want they're saying hey we want more female leads all right cool we're going to go ahead and replace Terry McGinnis with Barbara Gordon and now you got your female lead nah just give us a dope Batgirl story like right. Barbara Gordon is a really interesting character the killing joke is just one part of it and mm-hmm. and that's a, a brutal thing that took place but then you get out of that like you mentioned Oracle who is an immensely interesting character and then from there you know in the Batman um, Beyond Universe she's Commissioner Gordon which is mm-hmm. even more interesting you got three storylines that you will have now completely eliminated because of short-sightedness or inability right. to understand what the fan base actually wants.
1: Yeah, you know, appeasing those SJWs. And, and
0: <laughs> no, that's uh, you're, you're correct. Like, it's tongue-in-cheek and in how you're saying it, but I think that's exactly yeah. it. We're, we're just going to throw them a bone, but you're not listening to what people want. This is like, you know, members of Congress wearing kente cloth when people are saying, "Hey, stop killing us!" Nah, we can't really do nothing about that. But we gonna go ahead and make this ridiculous gesture and kneel and beg for forgiveness. Nobody, nobody wants that. Nobody's asking for this. This is this is
1: ludicrous. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and that's prayers. A, that's, that's all it is. Thoughts and prayers and six hundred bucks. Right. That's a whole other thing, right?
0: Oh man! It's the, the, you, you have yeah. to you have to understand your audience and deliver to that audience what what it is that they want not what you think they want or what you want to give them to appease. it ain't gonna work and we keep seeing it you know project after project you have your diehards but by and large people are not loving these projects so no and for the record i still don't think this flash movie is ever going to happen
1: I don't either, and my record of uh, predicting movies not coming out has been pretty untainted. I'm not going to go out officially on record and, and say it's not coming out, but we'll see. I am. I don't think this movie's coming out. I don't think this movie's ever going to get made. The news of, about him coming back is pretty interesting, but like I said, I think what they're going to do is is try to like bridge the gap and create some sort of paradox or something. And we're going to get to see a continuation of Tim Burton's Batman universe and this DCEU or whatever this universe is called, the main DC universe, and kind of bridge the gap there too. And I think, and I, I know we talked about a little bit earlier, like when we were talking before we were recording or earlier in the day, and if this Flash movie does come out and what I think they're going to do with the story, I wouldn't be surprised because like we do know that this is Ben Affleck's last Hurrah, is uh, the Cape Crusader. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow bring Robert Pattinson's Batman into the main DC universe. So then you don't have to worry about, you know, introducing another Batman in this universe. I mean, it's just recasting. But I think I suspect that that's what uh, Warner Brothers is going to do.
0: That would make sense. But that's that, that. I mean, I haven't heard it laid out that way. So we'll, we'll have to see.
1: They're not thinking that far in advance either, so maybe not. But I, I, I just have a suspicion about it. I don't even believe that they know what they're going to do.
0: No, because it keeps changing. So whatever it is that they're going to do now, it won't be the same by the time it
1: actually gets released. So <laughs> and By the time this episode comes out, it will totally change. Right. Michael Keaton's out. Val Kilmer's back in. <laughs>
0: burn, burn the whole studio
1: down, man. <laughs> it could be worse. Could be George Clooney. Oof.
0: You know what? And I wouldn't even beef with George Clooney coming back to do something. He just was a terrible Batman, but I don't think that was his fault. It was the the writing. That was Schumacher's issue. That's a whole other discussion for sure. What I will say that Warner Brothers does know, at least next year, it's all going on HBO Max, which is wild, wild. 'Cause they got some huge projects that are coming out next year. Right. I mean, what is it? Matrix four, I should probably have pulled this up.
1: <laughs> Essentially everything that WB is scheduled to release in theaters starting uh Christmas twenty twenty through like tw- the end of twenty twenty one is gonna be released simultaneously on HBO Max. And like you said, that's a huge deal. That's huge. I think part of it is a, well, obviously, it's a reaction to the pandemic and us not being able to, like, go to the movies anymore. Yeah, I mean, just not really being able to go. But I think it's a good strategic move only if the people who actually sign up to see the movies stick around. You know, like I was, like we were talking earlier, you were saying um, people were not liking Wonder Woman eighty four, but you know what? Based on like third party data, like the the streaming numbers are really good for it, mm-hmm. and um, they said it was like the second, either the the biggest or the second biggest like streaming uh, movie of the year. It was like up there with Hamilton uh, when it was released. Now the problem with that though is like the um, you got to do something to keep the people. So, you know, if you're releasing, I can't remember their schedule. I didn't look it up, but you're gonna have to keep people. You know, releases stuff maybe once a month to retain an audience. I mean, It's going to have to be stuff that people want to see as well. I don't know I that you got to
0: do that though, because most people, when they get these streaming services, they just get them. You know, if they got them, they got them. There are some people who do, you know, get them to get what they're gonna, what they want to watch and then get rid of the service. But I think most people, and that's what they're kind of banking on. Is that once you're in there, you're in there. And even if you're not watching, they don't care. They got your subscription. But my concern about it is I understand why Warner Brothers would make a decision to do this. But what that is letting the genie out of the bottle, man, I don't see where we're going to be able to go back. What happens when, you know, eventually we're able to go to movies again? Is Warner Brothers going to want to split the pie with theater companies or are they going to gouge them and say, look, we don't need you. We can just go directly to the customer. So if you want to show our film in your theater, you're going to have to give us a larger percentage of the receipts, like whatever they've negotiated at this point, I'm sure is going to change. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a good thing. Like, we're going to see theaters locally and even theater companies like theater chains go, the, you know, the way of Toys R Us. I think this is bad for the industry. I really do.
1: I don't because, you know, so so tonight's topic, we're talking about the streaming war. So we're talking about um, not just, you know, it's not it's not a legit head to head comparison between the two. No, Uh, Or between the the companies out there, but it's kind of like, what is it doing to the way we digest information? And I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think it's going to... I think it would depend on how well these movies will perform for uh, Warner to take a, a policy like that. Because if, for example, Disney Plus had a huge influx of subscribers... For Hamilton, when it when it dropped in like July Fourth weekend or early July, mm-hmm. and I think the reports were only like thirty percent of the subscribers stayed more than like a month or something like that. Okay. So if you have a big spike like that, yes, it's great because you're going to get you know a couple million dollars. Which which you really need is you need you know that money to be continually churning in. That's why like the subscription model is one of the best models out there because you kind of know what you're getting and you kind of know what you need in the future and how to get it. So if people are signing up for um, HBO Max on Christmas because Wonder Woman's dropping and they know Matrix 4 is coming out on this day and they know Tenet is being released on this day and they know, I don't know, Aquaman 2. I don't even know if that's coming out. I'm just throwing that out there. But if they know these movies are coming out, then they're just like, I'm just going to renew my subscription in when I watch what I want. Get rid of it. You know, I know some people do that with Netflix. They wait for... Their shows to come out, they watch them, or Stranger Things to come out, they watch it, and they cancel it, and they wait for then, you know, next year to come out. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting, but I, I do think that, yes, it's nice, it's convenient, it's definitely cheaper. I mean, if you have a family, I can't imagine how much it is to take, like, kids and stuff to the movies. Right. It's cheaper to definitely do it at home, but you do miss something. Like, yes, it's convenient, but I did miss going to the theaters and you know i have a pretty good sound bar and sound system and everything like that but it doesn't compare to the uh Dolby digital like ultrasound at the at the theater the imax stuff but you know there are conveniences and features to it i do think it's going to be a uh, um we we've, we've already seen like with smaller films in the past even you know pre pandemic being released simultaneously on digital streaming and in theaters but there was already a limited theatrical release anyway so it wasn't like that big of a deal Right. but I don't know I'd be interesting to see like what information comes out as we get more movies that drop on HBO Max to see like how many people stick around because honestly I've had HBO Max for probably since it launched like whenever they did um, Watchmen Mm -hmm. you could watch it for the entire week or something for free and there was an issue like playing it so I just signed up And the only reason I've kept it is because I just kept forgetting to cancel it before it renewed. And now the only reason I have it is to get through like these, the DC streaming shows. But once I'm through with those, I have no reason to keep it. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for me to keep it. It's not. And I think this is kind of like jumping ahead in the conversation about the streaming wars. But HBO Max is not a must have. It's not something that I feel like you don't, you, you need the interface is clunky, it's slow, it's <laughs> it's it, horrible to navigate through. Like, I hate using HBO Max, I really do. And maybe because I use it on PlayStation, but I've used it on a tablet and stuff too, and I just, I hate it. I don't think Warner Brothers can just sit back and put their feet up on the desk and say, hey, we got this thing solved already, we don't need you guys.
0: I don't know that that's the route that they're taking to say, oh, you know, we don't need you. No, actually, I think that might be where they're going, that, <laughs> I, I don't know that they're gonna completely remove their projects from theaters. I don't think that, but I do think that they will try to leverage the streaming services to kind of squeeze some more money out of the theaters, and it's gonna get to a point where you know some theaters won't be able to survive that, and that that's that's the concern there's something definitely something missing. From the theater experience with some films like there's if you saw Avengers Endgame on Disney Plus, the movie is fine. You know, it, it's still a good film, but you're missing something when you see Captain America will Mjolnir in the theaters with those people,
1: which are people, with are your, your brethren, right? Your nerd base. Yes,
0: it's very, very different. Seeing that in that experience and seeing it in your living room.
1: Mm -hmm. There's something different too about like going to the midnight movie, or I guess it's like it gets moved up earlier and earlier. Right. So, like the 10 o'clock movie, like it's an experience. Going to the theater is an experience.
0: Right. So, by eliminating that and removing that experience, I think you will start to lose some of the shimmer from the product that you're using to kind of leverage. And it's not to say that this is a bad model altogether. You gave the example of you know movies with like limited theater releases and doing that at the same time. That makes perfect sense. You mm-hmm. get films like just sticking with Warner Brothers. So the Matrix Four is is going to be a huge film. They're also releasing what's it called Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Not going to have the same type of audience. It's not going to be as large a film. It's not like a temple type of project so that's something that could you know benefit from having it in both places you're gonna have people who that's a film that you can watch at home and you won't necessarily miss the same things because it's not the Mm -hmm. not the big blockbuster popcorn film but there's got to be some sort of a balance here and that it's again warner brothers being reactionary i think uh this is the one time where they're Attempting to be forward thinking and they still get it wrong, man. They're <laughs> still getting it wrong. We just gonna, you know, announce this, you know, even if those were the plans and saying, all right, look, we're going to plan to release all of our projects, both in theaters and on HBO Max. I don't know that they needed to make that an announcement because now you you have the same type of panic that I'm kind of talking about, like people are scrambling and, and concerned about quite frankly their livelihoods i'm thinking about a, um there's a small theater in the town where i live and um i mean they've been shut down since forever like all like right. you know most businesses and a lot of uh, small businesses are are you know suffering in that way and and that's just a blow potentially a death blow to theaters like that like right. i don't see how they're going to survive if you got people who with families they want to see these films, and it's like, all right, well, it's going to cost me, you know, 60 bucks to take my family out to see this movie. What, that right. same $60, I can pay for HBO Max for the year?
1: Right. Well, I think, too, it's like the good thing that's on the side of, like, the theaters and stuff, and, and the traditional sense, or, or, I guess I'll call it the theater experience. That makes it sound snobby, but whatever. You nerve step it up a little bit and get some class. But <laughs> I think what's... <laughs> What's what's uh, supporting that is that you had some directors who came out with this announcement about what uh, Warner Brothers were doing, and they don't like it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you have, I mean, uh, Nolan was pretty balanced in his response to news about it, but he wasn't too thrilled with it, but he didn't really speak out hard, hard against it, because, you know, it's your livelihood. I get it. You don't want to. Not bite the hand that feeds you, but you you know you don't want to stir up dust about. Um, I think it's the other way around. To be honest
0: with you, I think Nolan is feeding Warner Brothers.
1: Yeah, but it's like it's a symbiotic relationship. They need each other. I think in the case of Nolan, uh, Warner Brothers needs him more than he needs them. Very much so. Very much so. But for your your uh, your up and coming directors, your Ryan Cooglers, they're the ones who are like. I'm trying to make a name for myself. Right. I don't have. I can't afford at this stage of my career to be known as someone who directs movies that go to straight to streaming, versus stuff that's in theaters. Sure. Because as we're seeing with, and this has been something I I mentioned throughout, like doing the show and as streaming has become more prevalent, like everyone's going to have a streaming service. Like mm-hmm. every freaking buddy's going to have one, but they're not all going to survive. And you know there's not going to be I don't even know if Lionsgate is still around I keep saying them, but you know they're not going to have a streaming service because I don't even know what movies they've done or anything like that so there are only so many options out there and if you're trying to make a name for yourself I don't think you're, you're going to want to go the streaming only route Right. so that's going to be less incentive to work on a, on a project backed by Warner because if they choose to in the future just be like you know what screw theaters we're only going to do a uh, 30 or, you know, limited theater release for all our per- pictures. And then it's going to be on, on on HBO Max and you can watch it there. I think that'll turn off a lot of people in the industry. And two, even with uh, Wonder Woman, it's only streaming for like 31 days.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really weird.
1: It is weird, but I agree with it because it's kind of like one, they're trying to like get people subscribe, watch it and then stick around. Right. Which I don't think that I don't think there's enough there to really keep people retained. Nobody goes and nobody's talking about like HBO Max shows and stuff at work or on Slack or whatever suggestions like, oh, yeah, I was watching the show and blah, blah, blah. It's okay. Or, yeah, you know what? The Leftovers is is on here. The Wire is on here. Fresh Prince is on here. But it's not really a lot of like new stuff out there. And it doesn't have the, the draw or the allure that like Netflix does. But Netflix, Netflix didn't you know, have
0: that at first either. It took them quite a while to get to where
1: they are. But Netflix is part of our, it's like part of our cultural DNA. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's, you have Hulu, you have Netflix, you have HBO Max, you have Amazon Prime, you have Peacock, you have Discovery Plus, you have the little janky ones that your cable companies try to like sell you. I guess that's not really streaming. That's like a cable substitute. So I won't, even, I won't right. call them that. Then you have uh Disney, it's plus a name,
0: P- like Fubo. BT, Voodoo. Yeah, all these. Uh, Crackle.
1: Exactly. And Crackle Sony. So mm-hmm. that's. Uh... But you have all these, and they're different. Oh, IMDb, mm-hmm. TV. All these different streaming services. Paramount Plus, I think that's the new name for CBS All Access. Like, what's the point? The only ones, you, you don't need all of them. They're not all going to be around. They're not all going to survive. And. and making a bold prediction here out of all the ones that are out there not one is a Netflix killer even though i think they they said disney plus is going to surpass netflix in like a year or two mm-hmm. in subscribers mm-hmm. but it's different those two th- products are different none of them's none of them a threat even hbo max i think and hulu and hulu is half disney so it's like four big ones and then the ones that are actually more of a th- incentive or more interesting i think as far as streaming services go are your peacocks and your uh disney plus, uh, discovery plus mm-hmm. in certain demographics i guess at the uh, I'll, I'll say like 20 20 to 40 or 20 to 45 or 20 to 50 i don't know most people are <laughs> stuck at home what are they watching HGTV, shark week discovery channel right food network And and, like, those are the big things. Those are the big draw, like in certain demographics. But that's because it's
0: free. Are you going to pay for those same things? Like, are you going to pay 10 bucks a month or 15 bucks a month to watch Chopped? Probably not.
1: So we go through phases. Like if we're not watching like shows on like Netflix or anything like that, or episodes of Bob's Burgers on the DVR, we're just watching Chopped. Or we're watching like, we just have like HGTV on or something like that. Right. um, Just for like noise sometimes. So. If I ever, and I'm a I'm a cord cutter already. I don't. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the show before. I'm a cord cutter. Right now we have YouTube TV. Before that we had PlayStation View. Out of those channels, I watch MTV for ridiculousness, and yeah, HGTV, Food Network, and and uh, I guess Science for, for the old episode MythBusters. So if I can get all that like for ten bucks a month, I mean YouTube TV's not breaking the bank, but that's money I could do with something else with. So it's an incentive for me. And then Peacock is a huge deal too because it's free for the most part. Yeah, but they you got mean, a paid,
0: Yeah, they got like a, a paywall for some a of the stuff tier. too. Yeah. but um, And I haven't well, really have gotten into Peacock. Oh, okay. So it's like like Hulu, man.
1: But with a better catalog and a better interface because Hulu's, Hulu's interface to me is, is still kind of, it's gotten better, but it's still not great. I think Netflix. One of the reasons why it's, like, so ingrained in, like, our, our pop culture DNA is because they've literally algorithmed the heck out of our lives to, like, put stuff in front of us without us really having to think too much about it. Whereas these other ones, you kind of have to hunt and peck for what you want, for stuff you're looking for.
0: That's part of it. But I think the other part of it is just age. They've been around the longest. Yeah. So they they were the first ones. So it just kind of becomes synonymous with streaming. It's like Google for search engines, even though, you know, Google wasn't the first one, but they quickly became the search engine. Mm. And I think that's kind of what what the deal was with Netflix. They were not the only streaming streaming that was available. They were the largest and they eventually became, you know, the streaming service so they they still kind of hold that space in our consciousness but mm-hmm. these others are are coming and i I I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned you know all of the streaming services that are out there because it to me for people who are cord cutting for instance at some point you're basically paying the same as you would for a cable bill yep,
1: and and if you have all of them yeah
0: so from the provider's point of view I understand if I have IP like why do i want to go through netflix and share that with you especially if i have an ip that people want to see so yeah come come see me directly but the problem is you know is that is that enough to sustain a whole network and oftentimes it isn't um and i mm-hmm. think that's where the casualties are gonna gonna come from but in the meantime the loss of jobs and of industry are going to continue on because Again, we, we make all of this stuff accessible um, and exclusively available at home. So the other, you know, the other places that we used to go to, to do these things no longer exist. I mean, has anybody seen a Blockbuster lately? Gone. Blockbuster, bingo. <laughs> Blockbuster, <laughs> bingo. And Captain Marvel. Right. And I know um, there were still other, like, smaller family video. Family that video. Though. That's the one. They're gone now I think too. Family
1: videos still around.
0: No, they gone they, they're gone now. They're oh, gone now. They are. They're not 100%. they're not completely gone but they're going. Like they'll be gone yeah. by the end of the year.
1: There's a video store by me that's crazy. It's um around the corner. And uh well not really around the corner but driving distance not far and it's a small family owned video store and it's still up and running and I'm just kind of like what, like what year is it when I drive by like wait it's like next to a bike shop <laughs> mm-hmm. but I just go by and I'm like how is this place still around right like, who's renting movies um old people
0: <laughs> possibly but, but I even, think I think it's those on streaming um now. yeah but a lot of a lot yeah. of them now my theory behind those small
1: never mind I'm not gonna say that on wax <laughs> Um, One thing that will make it more interesting as streaming becomes more popular, right? And even like cable companies have caught on with their own um, versions of cutting the cord Mm -hmm. uh, in packages so you can have quote unquote cable is the streaming rights to um, a lot of things like that's going to be a bigger deal. And that's why I think, like you said, you know, Netflix being the originator and growing is because they were able to snatch up a lot of the rights for a lot of things. Right to stream and now you have uh, Warner has their own uh, product which is a big deal you know I'm not saying it's not I just um, what I guess my argument is uh, or my position is that it's not really a threat to an all out threat to like a company like Netflix even Disney Plus um, and Hulu combined aren't an all out threat to a company like Netflix
0: no but the combined efforts of everything is enough to make those larger ones a threat to Netflix because even it's, it's not like you know a bunch of Netflix subscribers are gonna leave them to go to Disney Plus right? but if you get you know 6% that do leave Netflix to go to Discovery Plus and then another 6% leave to go to Peacock mm-hmm. and do this you know and it, it just kind of nickels and dimes away to where you know your Hulu's or your Disney Plus can overtake them
1: yeah well, I think something like a, a Discovery Plus is more of a threat to cable in itself than like the, the, the other streaming giants. I think the streaming, like, the streaming services in general do that. Now, Peacock, Peacock is an interesting one because they have millions of subscribers, but we don't know how many are paying and how many are free. But as some of these things start to fold, like Paramount, if they fail... Where do their products go? Are they going to sign it? Like, are they going to sign a deal with Amazon? Or are they going to sign a deal with Netflix? It's going to be one of the other. Whoever whoever's if, coming up with the cash could be Apple. Right? It could be, but then again, Apple <laughs> Apple's entry into the into the market space isn't a threat. It's like it's like phone and computing. Like, yes, they Apple has more money than a lot of countries on Earth, but it's a small. It's a really as far as the the total market share. It's a small percentage of people who use who are using that product. So if it's something like an Apple exclusive, like a show that's um, I think it's called Central Park or something. Mm -hmm. I want to see it. I'm not getting Apple TV to watch it, though.
0: What I think where Apple or a company like that or even Amazon become the threat is you get everybody's looking for that one one thing that sets you over the top. Should I don't know, let's say Sony folds, right? They pack up crackle and they sell off all their stuff or crunchy Mm -hmm. roll and and that's where that's where apple and amazon become a threat because they got more money than anybody Mm -hmm. so those companies that are failing they got the capital to save it and they can buy them out and now they have content and then they become the challengers i mean that's kind of how netflix in the game like you said they were they were buying up all the rights because they were the only game in town Mm -hmm. but as they lost those rights and they began to lose those products because the original owners of the ip are now coming out with their own Mm -hmm. that's why there is no you know that's why the office goes away or Chappelle show used to be on well i guess it got back to netflix but yeah the stuff like that
1: yeah yeah, no, I get, I I know what you're saying, but it's like one of those things. Where it's like you you keep diluting, maybe because I'm looking at a coffee cup right now, right? So you have a a, a cup of black coffee, and let's say that that's Netflix. Well, I got to be black has, coffee, Josh? <laughs> if it's not black, it ain't right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have a cup of black coffee, and let's say that's the the um, market share for streaming, and at one point in time. It's Netflix. That mm-hmm. entire cup represents Netflix. And then as they start losing properties and streaming becomes more popular and get Hulu comes in, and Disney Plus and HBO Max and Paramount all the other ones come in, add water to that cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it gets to dilute it and it's not strong anymore. Right. And as as companies keep splitting and, and trying and breaking out with their own streaming services and all this other stuff, eventually you're gonna oversaturate. And you're not going to have anything that's going to be able to stand up. You're not going to be able to drink that cup and you're not going to be able to sell it or you're not going to be able to do anything And all. It. it will be um, a, a wasted, perfectly good cup of coffee. And I think as we as we get more mature in streaming, even though we're we're still not we're still in the infancy, really, because up until like the last two years, it's been nothing but Netflix running the game. Right. But as, as we mature, I think you're going to see a lot of those these companies fold and you're going to see a lot of them. You know, divvy up, or, or somebody's going to swoop in and buy these rights to their properties. I don't think it's going to be. It could be a Hulu, it could be Amazon, but even then, I don't trust. Or not that I trust. I don't think that they have. They they've already produced their own original shows, and they haven't really caught on. Like, I watched Jack Ryan. The mm. boys is is talked about because it's speaking to a specific genre of people who are interested in stuff like that. Right. But how many other shows? And they did have some good shows, like Sneaky Pete, great mm-hmm. show, uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Uh, Maisel, Maisel. yeah, The Man in the High Tower, and stuff like that. They had good shows, but they never really caught on. Like at work, back when you can go into the office, you know, you, nobody said, "Hey, did you watch The Man in the High Tower yesterday?" Or, "Oh my goodness, all episodes of The Man in the High Tower dropped." You know, what were you at? Nobody was talking about. Them not saying people weren't, weren't watching them. That's not what I'm saying. Right. I'm just saying they just didn't have the same draw to, to create that buzz about their, their own products that they were producing. And if uh peacock fails and they snatch up the office and they snatch up the other rights that they have for psych and all these other shows, is that really going to draw more people? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's one of the things is it's a mix and It's going to be i think part of the conversation too because it's layers in is like the original content that they provide or that they offer is kind of what helps to draw people too but it's also like how does that resonate with us in order to keep us subscribed like the only reason i keep disney plus is because i'm grandfathered into like the pre pre pre-order or whatever it was when you subscribe before it launched that's the only reason i'm keeping it because I mean I'm sure the price will go up eventually and so being locked in at like 59 bucks a year is not bad. Right. And other ones, you know, other than like Netflix, I can take a review to be honest with you. Yeah. And just subscribe when I want to watch something.
0: Fair enough. So where does that put us specifically in the in in the nerd space because the movies that are the the tempols or the movies that are the um the big event films tend to be these type of films right it's your Mm -hmm. your mcu movies your dc movies your godzillas stuff like that so in the midst of all of these streaming wars and how things are trending more and more toward that how do you think that's going to affect the culture because if these event films don't exist anymore then the events that kind of go along with them also cease to exist, right? Nobody's going to cosplay in their living room for the most part.
1: (laughs) I mean, I do, but... I feel bad about myself now. Let me take my Homelander suit off. I think if for our specific genre and interest, I think we're in a good spot uh, for now. I mean... Even if
0: everything goes streaming and comes out of the theaters.
1: Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying, I guess I was just thinking about it from like Warner Brothers where where it's, you know, dual... Uh, release got it it's a good spot because it's win win you can watch it at home if that's what you want to do you can watch it in theaters you can watch it at home if you're on the fence and like eh, you know what i don't know if this is going to be good oh no this is great i want to see it in theaters now
0: well let me let me let me throw you another scenario out here something to consider we just had obviously with the pandemic um a lot of events taking place at home where we wouldn't have otherwise had them so now mm-hmm. if i am studio x and I have a project that's coming out that I normally would, you know, have a screening at C2E2 or SDCC or whatever. But that's going to cost me to get some space in Hall H or it's going to cost me to, you know, have space at C2E2 or, you know, New York Comic Con or whatever, whatever these larger mm-hmm. cons are. And I'm paying this to the con. Well, if I have this streaming service and I have the audience and I know this is what they want to see anyway, why am I going to pay the middleman? And if that happens and the larger companies start to pull away, because we've seen that already where sometimes they just don't have a presence. What does that do to the con then?
1: Yeah, so that kind of stuff will hurt. It will hurt more, but I don't think a lot of businesses would do that long term. I don't think that's it's not a viable option long term. I mean, why not? Because you can't, it's a different, like we talked about the theater experience, it's different being a theater. So there's, there's different, there's just a different kind of buzz about it And something like this. It's not going to appeal to the masses, right? So it's its something different, you know, dropping a, a trailer on YouTube versus, like you said, dropping a trailer or exclusive video at like one of the conventions. Um, it creates a different kind of buzz. You know, yeah, it's going to trend on Twitter and and uh, in social media, but I think it's a different. Um, I think it just hits differently. So, like your your companies who have already scaled back, at like C2E2 and Wizard World, and I don't think that it's. The, I it, I just don't think it packs the same punch as just releasing on a streaming service. Like for one, the bigger players out there are DC and and Marvel, so it's it's easy to comment on them. But you know, like a company. Uh, let's say, like a Tomb Raider movie or something is coming out. They're they're rebooting that for the fifteenth time, and it's done right. Not saying, you know, the last one wasn't done. I actually enjoyed it, but let's say it's it's done right and it creates that buzz. I think there's a different impact on the on the the culture <laughs> when something like that is dropped in a shared space with other people present versus something that's just you're sitting at home watching. It's a different thing, especially maybe now. It's like you know, you understand a little bit more or better now under the pandemic, whereas in normal times, I don't know if something like that would be as sustainable. Like in in twenty twenty two, if they want to do S D C C online in just Zoom panels, I don't think that would be one, I think people would flip their lid and two I don't think it would be as uh successful, even though it's success for twenty twenty was arguable.
0: I think the success Specifically for SDCC would be there, because so many people want to go to that con and they can't get in. So something yeah. like that I could see working. What I'm saying is,
1: mm,
0: for the okay. the presenters of the con themselves, right? If I if I'm Wizard World or if I'm Wizard, and my biggest ones, my my DC and Marvel, which are the two heavy hitters, they're saying, look, we not we're not showing up. All of the stuff that we're going to do. Uh, with trailers and interviews and all of that, we're just going to do it on our own streaming services, so we don't need to. So, you know, that gives the opportunity for some of the smaller companies to kind of get a bigger profile, but then they end up doing the same thing, right? Because everybody ultimately wants their own IP streaming service. So mm-hmm. IDM and or IDW rather, an image, rather than saying, okay, well, we'll sell our rights to Amazon or we'll sell our rights to Apple or whatever you know, get whatever capital they can and start to do it themselves. And then they, too, say, well, we don't need you. We can reach the people yeah. directly and cut the middleman out. And eventually, the con doesn't exist anymore, which See, would be a would sad,
1: happen, sad thing. Yeah, it would be. I don't think something like that would happen just because you, you, you're you not. Yes, you have the potential to reach more people. Um, yes, if SDCC did online again in 2022, yes, some people would be excited because they'd be be able to attend and normally they would not but if they're going to do that then you better broadcast what's happening on the floor of the actual event Mm -hmm. not I don't want to see people sitting in their their living rooms talking about something again, you know I mean it was, for what it was, it was fine but that's not something as things return to quote normal you know, I don't think that's something that's going to be as acceptable in that in the way it's done Um, as far as being able to produce their own content and releasing it, it's like designing a streaming service and and the the software and also the the rights and the the legal aspect is kind of difficult and a company like IDW and um, not image, but anyway those smaller companies, I don't know if they have the resources to do it, it's like if if you want to go that route, just get a YouTube channel and drop stuff on YouTube, but but Again, you run into in the same use,
0: problem going via YouTube because you t- it's a third party. So you might as well just go.
1: Yeah, but it's cheaper. Potentially. These things require talent and, and <laughs> to not you know, have some janky uh, website or, and frustration from, for the end user. You know, it's probably better to go with something that's established. Like one of the things that, that pissed me off the most with like Disney Plus when it first launched was the amount of time it took to buffer a video it's like you guys knew you guys were working on this for like a year and a half you knew it was going to be big when it launched or something like that and when uh, you know in game or is is available on there or something like that and you know people are going to watch it I shouldn't have to see buffering in 2019
0: especially um, but why but not a, though because
1: you got but especially not from a company as big as Disney this is something you guys should address and even to this day they have stuff that still buffers and I'm like how
0: because everybody's using it at the same time
1: netflix has never buffered for me never
0: but do they have the same Mm -hmm. level of traffic at the same time as that of a disney plus i don't think they would i really don't
1: i do i think when when infinity war dropped on uh netflix i think it was the last one that went on netflix right infinity war
0: yeah i thought it was captain Uh, marvel
1: was it captain marvel I didn't watch Captain Marvel on Netflix, though. Okay, so maybe. Oh. Or did I? I don't remember which one came out first. It was one of those Avengers movies. It would have been Infinity War then. Yeah, I don't know how many, how many millions of people across the world were watching that movie on Netflix and it never buffered. So, I mean, it's just those little things. And, and, like, again, these are, like, first world problems that things complain about. But it's kind of like one of those frustrations as a company as big as Disney. You should anticipate stuff like this and make sure that it doesn't happen for the end user because yeah i'm I'm paying like sixty bucks a year or whatever it is, but one of the reasons why like if you like even data for like websites and stuff like we're such a we're a culture that's just so used to like instant gratification that like we the average time we spend on a web page is like two seconds before we leave if it doesn't load right, so even now like reading articles and stuff you like kind of skim through it like get to the point. So it's like those little things for the end user matters. And that's why I keep saying why certain a streaming services to me. like, yes, I like having them. Yes, they're cool when I want to watch, you know, regular show or King of the Hill or Batman the animated series. They're nice to have. It's not something that I need to have constant access to because of those little things where it's it, it makes me sound spoiled. But it's like more of an inconvenience to look to find something to watch on there than to just go to, like, a Netflix or just turn on YouTube TV. Yeah. Like, using HBO Max, and again, this is mostly on the PlayStation, on the PlayStation 4, that app has, like, crashed, I don't know how many times, I'll be watching something and it's like, error with this blah, 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 and it's like, you're too big of a company for something like this to happen, for, like, a glitch like this to happen, Mm. like, when Gmail went down, like, like, really, Google, you're you're too big, and those are, like, my little frustrations with, with them. They all have their different content, and as we've seen with um, Disney Plus, but you brought it up about like the shows Disney Plus releasing on their originals as part of this, and and uh, kind of like the uh, Warner Brothers and Disney Plus kind of like going head to head over mm-hmm. Warner making a big deal about not charging for the movies they're releasing. Right. Those are bigger deals, and I think those will play into as streaming, you know, continues to mature, will play into it more, but. I'm interested to see, you know, in like two years, where we're at and who's still around. I don't think a lot of them are going to be around. Like, Amazon owns IMDb. Any content that is on IMDb will roll up into Amazon. But for these other ones, when they start shuttering their servers, I don't know. Because we've already seen it happen with some of the smaller ones. Like It was one like for, I think it was called Shutter it was like all horror movies and stuff like that Mm. that closed and then it was another one that was like a comedy uh streaming service so all comedy shows and original content stuff that failed so it's just a matter of time before these other ones do and i think one of the big pieces in staying power is the original content and how that you know hits with the masses paramount they have star trek discovery and i think they're working on a couple others and they have um Big Brother After Dark. That's like a big offering for them. But other than that, they don't really have too much. Right. HBO Max. I know they have some original and some exclusives, but right now those things aren't really trending with pop culture. And then Disney Plus, they, out of the three, the Hulus and stuff, because I mean, Hulu has a deal with FX, which is kind of a big deal, but Disney Plus is the only one who's really has, is rolling out and showing like. This is what's going to hit in the next year year or two, right? They're
0: not playing around either. No, not at all. And I hate that we're just now getting to that at this point in the conversation because it's it's that's huge. Mm-hmm. But as we said last week, before we even got to this point, it's this is a big this is a big thing. So we going <laughs> we're gonna pause it now, and we gonna we gonna break it out again. Man, Disney is not playing at all. No. Like Warner Brothers has a pretty impressive lineup, but Disney's going for the throat. So
1: Disney, that's how you retain people with with what Disney's doing. Right. Even then, only slightly.
0: I think it's more than than we're giving them credit for. But the question actually remains is what you guys think. So let us know. We always want to hear from you guys. As as Josh has said many a times, we love hearing from you guys. So remember Mm to rate us, review us. That really does help continue to grow and we're able to reach even more folk and build this little corner of these internet streets of ours.
1: And you guys know where to find us on Instagram. We're at Views from the Back of the Class underscore pod. On Twitter, we're at the other n word. You can email us at viewspod at gmail.com and you can call or text, preferably text stress underline text three one two five two one oh five two seven.
0: Get at us, nerds. And on that note, class dismissed.